sponsored by JMR Rentals, professional digital cinema and broadcast equipment rentals in Brooklyn, New York. JMRNY.com. Hello and welcome to No Rest for the Weekend. I'm Jason Godby, and today on the program, we've got movies that we loved from 2023, or at least liked a lot, and the anticipated movies that we're looking forward to in 2024. And to help me do that, joining me via Zoom, you've seen his work on sites like Collider and Ain't It Cool News, Mr. Eric McClanahan, and you know him well as our man in Hollywood and the man behind ActuallyPaid.com, Mr. William Hammond. Welcome, guys. Hey, how are you? Great to be back. One more time, one more rodeo, just what the internet needs. Uh, three 40-something white guys talking about movies. <laughs> <laughs> God knows there's a lack of that. But we got a lot to talk about. Uh, so I, I kind of want to fill in this sentence. Uh, 2023 was a blank year for movies. Uh, I would say challenging. I think 2023 was a very challenging year for cinema. What about you, Bill? It was an off year. Um, okay. It, it wasn't bad. There, there, there's still some high points. One of the metrics I use every month, I do a column called This Film Is Not Yet Watchable, where I make fun of trailers for upcoming films. And in 2022, I featured 98 trailers in the column. This year, I featured 122. All right, so we're going to talk about some movies. Now, some of these films we have already talked about on the show, like when we did our best of summer films. So, we're going to we're going to we'll, we'll mention those, but we're not going to like go deep into them. Uh, in fact, we probably won't go deep into many of these. You're just going to, you know, talk about like one or two minutes worth of of review for them. But I think it is an interesting list and I, you guys saw different movies than I did, so I'm curious to see what we have in store. Eric, let's start with you. Uh why don't you give us your fave five for the year? I'd be happy to. I will preface this by saying I didn't see nearly as many films as I wanted to this year. Uh, I actually had a short list of 15 that I chose as honorable mentions, which are films I wanted to see but didn't get around to yet. But I expect them to be fantastic. Of the films that I did see, topping the list would have to be Greta Gerwig's Barbie. It came out of nowhere, uh, exceeded expectations, and has such great rewatchability. I think we're going to be talking about this movie for a long time. Um, next on the list, I put the science fiction horror home invasion thriller No One Will Save You, which was released onto Hulu earlier this year. That movie was just very well done in a sense of creating that that sense of unease and the claustrophobia. And I saw some of the BTS behind it and the way they did it is truly amazing. Uh, number three on my list, Indiana Jones and the Dial of Destiny. I know this film is divisive for some, but I thoroughly enjoyed it. I actually saw it twice in the theater, which is quite a feat in 2023. Um, and I'm going to be watching it again on Disney Plus later on this year because I, it's a it's a fun ride. Fourth film on the list would be Suitable Flesh, which is an adaptation of uh, a H.P. Lovecraft. Thank you, H.P. Lovecraft short story, and the thing on the doorstep, and it is a fever dream of fun and over the top thrills and scares. Um, if you like horror movies, you will enjoy this film. 
And to round out my top five, I had to go with the Super Mario Brothers movie. It was fun. It was colorful. It was loud. It was a lot of fun. And again, super rewatchability factor. Is it going to launch a franchise? Yes. Is it going to get diminishing returns? Absolutely. But it was a great movie and a lot of fun to watch. We, we interviewed the cast and director of Suitable Flesh. And it's a movie that I, it's on my list. Like I want to, I definitely want to check it out because it looks bonkers. And yeah, Indiana Jones, uh, as far as like seeing it twice in the theater, I would assume you were the one. <laughs> you know, it was just me. It was, it was you and, you know, uh, you know, maybe some family members of Steven Spielberg or whatever. What do you got in store for us, Bill? This is kind of the, the joy of this whole process because uh, Barbie and Super Mario Brothers aren't on my list, but they both have very special places in my heart for various reasons. And yeah, the, the rewatchability factors are going to be off the charts. And Dial of Destiny just escaped my bottom five for the year. I watched Crystal Skull twice in the theaters, the second time to make sure the first time wasn't a fever dream. <laughs> but anyway, uh, my top five, uh, number one, same as it was in the summer, is Oppenheimer. To me, is the most complete film of the year in all aspects of production. I still can't get over how good Killian Murphy and Robert Downey Jr.'s performances were. And... Florence Pugh just does something to me that I can't explain in in in, uh, in polite company, but the scripting, the the special effects, the writing, it, it, the editing is just completely insane, and I love it. There's there's not really a false note to be had, um, and the fact that it came out in July and nothing's topped it since kind of is also a thesis statement for the year. Uh, number two is Killers of the Flower Moon. I I admit I am a Scorsese simp. Always have been, always will be. He really earns it in this one. Robert De Niro is going to be fighting with Robert Downey Jr. for Best Supporting Actor. DiCaprio plays the first dumb character in his career. Like, like truly dumb. Not like, Gilbert Grape, that, that was a mental illness one. This is the first character he's ever played that's charming but stupid. And Lily Gladstone will just shatter your freaking soul. I could not believe how powerful of a performance that was. Uh, whatever she's nominated for, she better win everything. Good Lord. Uh, number three for me, we discussed this on the AFI Fest episode, American Fiction. A lot of studios do kind of like backload their award season bait at the end of the year. But this is one of the few times where it's truly warranted. Court Jefferson's direction and, and script are amazing, and Jeffrey Wright kills it in every scene he's in. It's it's by far the funniest movie I've seen all year. Really great satire. Probably the best satire since Sorry to Bother You or Thank You for Smoking. And that really, really good stuff there. Number four, uh, The Boy and the Heron. Hayao Miyazaki comes out of retirement and gives us one more Studio Ghibli masterpiece that really helps explore the relative processes of grief like one of the one of the best things about the film to me is that this kid who just lost his mother and now his aunt is his is his stepmother it's like it's it's not the whole you're not my real mother you know whiny preteen angst there's just this recognition that everybody goes through grief at their own pace and you just have to find it when you find it. Like there's no set path forward for, it. there's no rules. There's no check boxes. You will heal when you heal. 
And the fact that Miyazaki can take us on this fantastical journey with giant man-eating parakeets and 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 globular, you know, big schnozzed old men inside the body of of pelicans and herons and all these other things. It's just that magic that is uniquely him. He's the best to ever do it. And it just shows like, God, I, I just want to live inside this man's brain for a day. Um, and then uh, number five is 20 Days in Mariupol, Ukraine's submission for the Oscars and by far the best documentary of the year for me. This is was a an Associated Press PBS Frontline um, project uh, directed by uh, Mstislav Chernov, who was one of the only crews that were able to stay behind in Mariupol, Ukraine, after the Russian invasion started. And for about three weeks, he just gets this in-your-face, real-time footage of all the atrocities that are going on. I mean, a lot of the footage and photos that you saw on the news came from Chernov and his crew. The same footage that Russia claims is false and that they're all actors and that some members in our own freaking Congress say are just actors. Like, no, this man was on the ground. He and his crew risking his their lives on a daily basis and getting a, quite a few close calls. I mean, the film opens with them spying on tanks in the streets from a from a blown out hospital window, and you can see the gun turret turning towards them because they got spotted. It is that intense, and it shows just how crucial this fight is. I, it's by far the most essential film of the year. Like this is one that needs to be taught in history classes, taught in current events viewed by everyone and thankfully it can be viewed by anyone because again it's through pbs you can literally watch it for free on the frontline youtube channel like pbs is making it like there's no profit motive here you need to see this very cool uh with that i feel like we're going from the sublime to the ridiculous when i look at my list um you know i saw a bunch of movies a lot of them i did see at festivals and some of them don't have release dates yet so, um, but, and then some, I got saw press screen, which was very cool as for comic book action fair guardians of the galaxy, volume three, uh, that kicked off my summer and across the spider verse. Those two movies were that, that was, I think we're going to look back and say that those were two of the top of the comic book superhero fair. And then uh, to get more dramatic, I just saw May, December recently on Netflix. I wish I could have seen it in the theater, but I didn't get a chance to because I was too busy covering red carpets. But uh, May, December is it's a bit controversial. You know, it's kind of maybe pseudo based on the Mary Kay Letourneau case, which I don't know if you guys remember, but I remember when that was going down and I kept thinking of it. You know, I don't know if I was supposed to keep thinking of it. It definitely was in there. It raises a lot of questions. And it's one of those you probably have to see a couple of times. And you will, you know, it's one of those movies that you kind of want it. You want to talk about it, but you should think about it before you talk about it. Direction is really, re Todd Haynes just does a fantastic job with this movie. It's got like a sort of 70s flair to it and a 70s kind of pacing. And then you got three really strong leads, Natalie Portman, Julianne Moore, and Charles Melton. Um, 
the, Charles Melton, I didn't really, I wasn't familiar with his work. He was on that show, uh, Riverdale. So he was like a CW kid. Uh, but man, is he really good in this? Everybody's just really, really solid. And, uh, Portman is like sweet and devious and kind of everything in between. And Julianne Moore can, her character can be sort of passive aggressive, manipulative, but also very fragile at the same time. So you really get this um, great mix. And it's one of those, I've only seen it once. I feel like to really appreciate it, I have to see it again. Um, but it will definitely, you know, that's one for that. You know, if you saw it in the theater, this is what in the old days, we would have gone for coffee and pie at the diner and debated this one, which I think is what makes a great movie. And then as far as my other uh, drama goes, I really enjoyed Ferrari. We reviewed it on our episode of New York Film Festival in Mill Valley, and I think that's probably one that's going to get awards consideration. It was a lot more fun than some of the other awards e kind of fair, and really strong performances. I liked it much better than Maestro, which if you saw the episode where we reviewed those, you'll, you'll see why. I think that, oh, and... One of my favorite films, I have to say, for the year is Sisu, a film not a lot of people saw, but uh, I interviewed the director. We reviewed it on the show. Sisu is so much fun. The last time I caught it, I think it was on like Amazon. If you want to see Nazis getting blown up, if you want to see like hardcore action and a hero who's tough as nails and a lot of fun, it's awesome. It's just an awesome flick, man. All right, so we're going to move on. Now looking ahead to 2024, and I spoke about this on last week's episode. And, you know, there's a, like, a, again, there's a deluge of films coming out. I, you know, and part of these were delayed. Some of them uh, were probably should have come out years earlier, but were delayed because of COVID. And then we had two huge industry strikes, which puts things back again. So this is what we're getting. I'm just going to go through this quick list. These are all films that are franchise sequels uh, or um, like semi-quasi reboot kind of things. So you got Ghostbusters Frozen Empire, which is a sequel to Afterlife. Godzilla X Kong, A New Empire. Kingdom of the Planet of the Apes, A Quiet Place Day One. Despicable Me 4. Twisters, the sequel to Twister from the 90s. Deadpool 3. Beetlejuice 2, Transformers 1, which I think is an animated film. And then we've got Joker Fale Adieu, the sequel to Joaquin Phoenix's Joker, which he said, I don't, I think he said he wasn't going to do. Terrifier 3, Gladiator 2, Sonic the Hedgehog 3, another The Karate Kid movie, Inside Out 2, and Venom 3. And that's to go with two other Spider-Man adjacent universe films. All in the same bloody year. I don't know. I, we were talked a little bit before we roll. Bill, you said you had some hope because there's a lot of stuff that hasn't been announced yet. And you guys actually had some stuff on your list that I didn't, that was not part of this deluge of sequels. But uh, Eric, what do you got? What are you, what are you looking forward to in 2024? So I had a short list of 12 films that I'm looking forward to in 2024. There are more films that I'm going to see, but these are the ones I'm actually looking forward to seeing. Uh, and I was glad to see that Bill and I have some similarities in our lists. Uh, mm -hmm. Top of the list, Deadpool 3. I I am uh, a Deadpool fan. I'm a Ryan Reynolds as Deadpool fan. I like what he's doing with, with the character and with the world building. And now that it's actually part of the MCU, I'm really interested to see what they're going to do, how they're going to hopefully revitalize that 
that stalling series, as we well know. So I'm very much looking forward to that. Uh, right after the turn of the new year, I think in February, we have Matthew Vaughn's Argyle. Uh, I got to see a full scene of the film when I was at Comic-Con earlier this year. Uh, and it's bonkers fun. And if you, you're familiar with Matthew Vaughn's work, the Kick-Ass series, the Kingsman series, you know this is going to have great action, great comedy, great set pieces. It's going to be a lot of fun. So I'm really looking forward to that one. Uh, Mickey 17 is the new uh, Bong Joon-ho, who, you know, multiple Academy Award winner. He does amazing work. Um, and it looks like this is another international production with a largely American cast. So I'm really interested to see that. Uh, the Fall Guy movie with Ryan Gosling. I was a huge fan of the Lee Majors series growing up. Uh, so when I saw that and 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 th- that Gosling was the titular Fall Guy, I was on all for that. So I will be at the theaters for that one. Ghostbusters Frozen Empire. Next year is the 40th anniversary of the original. I enjoyed the Afterlife reboot. So I'm looking forward to where these characters go from there. It looks like there's going to be some exciting new villains. It looks like it's going to go back to that actual like genuinely scary slash comedic sci-fi thing so that's gonna be a lot of fun uh the community movie is next on the list i'm a big fan of the tv show uh the way that dan Harmon handles the metaphysical aspects of of nerd culture and in the educational system and all the opportunities that arise when you're learning something and you're sharing that learning with other people it's enables great discussions and those great discussions turn into great scenarios. And that's what I think the film is going to be able to do. So I'm very excited for that. Um, the next one is Guy Ritchie's the ministry of ungentlemanly world warfare. Great cast. looks like it's going to be a, um, kind of a mix between his early like British gangster stuff and some of the more fantastical elements of Sherlock Holmes and the man from uncle. So I think it's going to be a good, mixture of the two huge stages of his career. So it'll be a little bit of a step back or a little bit of a, a, a reflection uh, while still moving forward in his way. And then finally, Robert Eggers, uh, Nosferatu. I'm a fan of the original. Um, I love vampire lore and the way Nosferatu has, is so intrinsically linked with the evolution of cinema to see Robert Eggers' take. I'm very excited. Those are all those are all interesting picks. I'm I'm curious to see some of those myself. I was not as keen on Afterlife as some people were. Um, I didn't think it was very funny, and I didn't really like the way the third act of the movie was just the same as the third act of the original Ghostbusters. The, you mentioned the Fall Guy. I I talked about that uh, on the on last week's show, and I am curious to see it. I don't know if I'm going to pay to see that one, uh, just because. Uh, I don't know, man. Like, was anybody clamoring for a The Fall Guy movie? It it, it kind of fe- seems like it's coming from that school of thought that did the Baywatch film that had nothing to do with the original show, the Chips film that had nothing to do with the original show, the Dukes of Hazzard, um, uh, what was the other one? Starsky and Hutch. Like, it's it's taking DNA from the premise and then just doing whatever they feel like with it. But especially after, you know, he really bowled me over in Barbie, Ryan Gosling's in it. I'm on board. He's great. He's way too handsome and talented for any one human to be. And then Nosferatu, I, I, you know, I, I'm curious to see that movie. I may have to watch it, you know, like this, but 
Um, I am also curious to see that as well. Bill, we got about five minutes. Uh, let's hear your list. All right, let's marathon it as quickly as we can here. Um, yeah, I, I, I'm, I'm apprehensive about the fall guy, mostly because I saw the trailer and it's like, it's a movie about a stuntman and all the stunts are CGI. <laughs> but, uh, but, uh, for my list, we do have some commonality with Eric here. Uh, in March, Dune part two got delayed because of the strikes this year. I love what Denis Villeneuve did the, the first time around. And with the delay, it makes this year's visual effects Oscar an open contest. So like, I, I'm very anxious to see how he wraps this up. Uh, also in March, Mickey 17. Yeah. Bong Joon-ho, his follow-up from Parasite. And his first purely American film, for lack of a better term, like, like, and you have a cast of like Robert Pattinson, Stephen Yoon, and Mark Ruffalo and Tony Collette. Like that is a really strong grouping, no matter what they're doing. Come April, Challengers with Zendaya and Mike Face. That was also supposed to come out this in 2023. It was supposed to lead off the Venice Film Festival, but the strikes got it pulled. In June, uh, not technically on my list because I've already seen it, but the bike riders got pulled uh, after I saw it at AFI Fest. It's coming out in June. I think audiences will love that. But for my personal, The Watchers, don't know much about this movie. It's got Dakota Fanning in it, uh, and it's going to be kind of a supernatural horror movie. But the big thing is, this is the directorial debut for M. Night Shyamalan's daughter, Ishana. She She's written and directed on Servant as well, uh, her, her father's project, but this is her first feature so i'm very curious to see how far the apple falls from the tree uh whether for for both good and slapstick funny i i'm i'm on board it's like curiosity will kill this cat uh further in in june inside out 2 we mentioned i love inside out it's not only one of my favorite pixar movies it was my favorite movie for the entire decade of the 2010 like it just spoke to me in a way that f few films ever have so i'm very curious to see how it lives up to the impossible bar it set for itself, especially with Bill Hader and Mindy Kaling leaving the cast and being replaced and uh, a new emotion in the form of anxiety coming in, which wasn't seen in the adult characters last time. So I'm going to wonder how they reconcile that. In July, we have Deadpool 3, the last Marvel film that anybody is going to care about, uh, especially because just for S's and G's, we're bringing back Hugh Jackman one last time. Uh Ryan Reynolds can do no wrong with this series. I, I'm very excited for this. Uh, and then late next year uh, in December, as Eric mentioned, Robert Eggers doing his own version of Nosferatu. I'm normally against remakes in general, unless you give me a good reason. Robert Eggers is a damn good reason. And coming off of his really good performance in the It movies as just being the creepy as hell Pennywise, Bill Skarsgård is going to play Count Orlock. That gets my butt in the seat. I can't wait to see what he does with this. Plus, the movie's over 100 years old. I think a remake is allowable after the century mark. <laughs> and then finally, this film doesn't even have a title yet. It's it's slated to come out Christmas week next year, but it's the fourth film from Jordan Peele. The man's three for three so far. He has been perfect. He's batting a thousand. So he's earned himself a mulligan this could be the worst movie of the year. I don't care. I'm going to watch it. The man has more than proven himself. See, that that I listen to you guys, and it gives me some hope. You know, one film that is a sequel that I want to see coming up, 
uh, along with Dune Part 2, is Furiosa. It's called Furiosa and Mad Max Saga. I mentioned it on the show last week. I love Fury Road. It's one of my favorite movies. I think it's a masterpiece. I really like Spotlight too, and I, but it's sad. I wish Mad Max would have won the Oscar that year. That and and Dune, really. I, I think those two those two are definitely at the top of my list. It's going to be interesting, and, and of course, you know, uh, dates and everything are subject to change. Hopefully, there won't be another industry strike that delays things even further. Hopefully, there won't be any more plagues that hit America that will delay things further. But uh, it's, you know, I'm looking forward to it. I'm looking forward to reviewing more with you guys. And we got a lot more great content coming for you this year. So, guys, I'm going to wrap up. But before I go, uh, Eric, where can we find you and your work on the online? I can be found on the Twitter or X at Eric M. McClanahan. I'm on the Instagram also as Eric M. McClanahan. And you can find my film reviews and interviews at ain'titcool.com, as well as some analysis at collider.com. And Bill, what about you? Uh, as always, you can find my original work at actuallypaid.com. I'm also publishing some of my content on Medium at actuallypaid. And you can also find me on Twitter. I will refuse to use that uh, Godzilla Kong letter as the name. Uh so you can find me on Twitter and on YouTube at actually underscore paid. And that's all we got for you today. Thanks so much for taking this trip down the rabbit hole for more of our content, including more movie reviews. Visit our website, no rest for the weekend Don't forget to subscribe on your favorite podcast app or on YouTube, youtube.com slash get behind the rabbit. I'd like to thank my guests, William Hammond and Eric McClanahan and our sponsor, JMR Rentals. For Behind the Rabbit Productions, I'm Jason Godby. Thanks for joining us. See you next time. 